Good afternoon, Anthony Mendler. Welcome on VH Berries. It's uh, great to meet you. I'm happy to be here. Thank you for having me. I am extremely grateful. How are you doing today? I'm good, thank you. I'm enjoying uh, some downtime between production and getting ready to start my next film, which is incredibly exciting. Absolutely, Anthony Mendler. You are enjoying some downtown as well as preparing an upcoming project. And what you just said is a duality because I found that your journey is a constellation around the number two. For instance, you are and you have an affection for Italian cinema and modernism that is as tall as the 22 meters tree that you pictured at minute 22 of your feature film, Surrounded. <laughs> now you're looking in, in the details, I see. I've looked into the details, Anthony Mendler, and I would love to begin by discussing about your passion for Italian cinema and modernism. Can you tell us a little bit more about it? Yeah, I think that um, in my journey through film school, both in high school and then at USC Film School, I was looking for something deeper to connect to that made sense to me when it came to bringing together my love of architecture and my love of art, my love of the visual language. And I think it was when I first saw Blow Up, Antonioni's um, film, that it struck me in such a deep place. I, I really understood the journey of the film, but also the journey of the filmmaker, or I, let's say I was curious by the journey of the filmmaker, the man that had made this movie and, and, the, and the sort of assembly of films at that time that he made from La Ventura in 1960 all the way through to The Passenger um, and his relationship and arc to the stories he was telling. It unlocked something for me. It, it created a North Star, something that I would always look at and say, you can be greater, you can achieve more, you can, you, you know, there, there's so many levels to these games. And certainly, you know, you're talking about something that's at the top of that. You were talking about someone at the top of that field and you just named that feature film called A Blow Up by Michel Angelo Antonioni. And in definitive, you have a very close relationship with um, this inspiration from a European country with a long Mediterranean coastline named Italy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yes. Something about, you know, it's not my culture, it's not where I'm from, but I have been so inspired by their cinema, inspired by the storytelling that came out of it once the neorealism of the post-World War II era, and then as that moved into the modernism of the 60s and the sort of thought-provoking, groundbreaking cinema that was made between Fellini and Antonioni and Pasolini, um, having carried the torch from De Sica and Rossellini and the sort of great post-neorealism post filmmakers, um, Italy has always been, and their film culture has always been something very close to me and something that has inspired me 
um, all the way through to, you know, um, what, what they're doing currently, you know, with movies like Gamora. It's been pretty incredible. It is, it is really the storied history of cinema to me. Furthermore, Anthony Mendler, this concept called modernism is a very complex one with many definitions. What is your personal meaning of modernism? Well, I think the, the meaning and the definition and category of a film um, that falls into modernism is, is that there is sort of two things happening. There's the outward action and the inward intention. And somewhere the, somewhere the film <laughs> lies between the two. And the director then has the ability to subjectively in, interject their art into those two lines as two things are happening. Um, and that becomes modernistic um, because it is not a textbook thriller or a textbook Western or a love story or a comedy. It's something that is layered with nuance and other variations, oftentimes other genres. And the combination of those things make it, make it modern, make it modernist. All of those things uh, make modernism something that is <laughs> related to uh, that concept, Anthony Mendler. And I found that this is a style or movement in the arts that aims to break with classical and traditional form exactly the same way you are releasing and the way you released your two previous feature films by breaking the calendar because you released Monster on a Monday and Surrounded on a Sunday. <laughs> well, we're in a new era. We're, we're, we're in a new era where the Friday or the Thursday or the Wednesday opening doesn't really matter anymore. What we're interested in is what is the time frame that your audience is most vulnerable? When can you capitalize on their attention? Um, and that's what's interesting about streaming. You know, the drawback is, is that you don't get to walk into a theater and feel that pulse of light and the sound of people eating popcorn and see the, that strobe effect of your movie uh, you know, on a hundred foot screen. But you're, the, the positive is that you're able to capture an audience, uh, an audience that is far bigger than just the people that live within five miles of a theater. You know, Monster sort of exceeded about 45 million views within a year, which is a remarkable number for a movie, you know, a five, six million dollar movie. Um, we don't celebrate those numbers anymore like we do box office, but as a filmmaker and you think about if there's a message behind what you're doing, the ability or the, the advantage of and the access of 45 million people watching a movie is remarkable. It's hard to comprehend at times, you know. To help you comprehend all of those data, Anthony Mendler, you might need to re-emerge yourself into the psychology of Sigmund Freud <laughs> and Carl Gustav Jung. Mm. Can you tell us a little bit more about those additional influences? When I was in high school, I had this remarkable film teacher named Jim Hosney, um, who, who um, was a big influence to, to many people. 
um, growing up in LA. And Jim um, would subject us high school students to Godard movies and Truffaut movies and Hitchcock films. And, but he would also make us read Jung and, and Freud. And he was the first person that really connected those psychological case studies for me into the character building and arcs of these films. That writing a great character, a psychological character, an emotional character, um, needs to be tethered to something more maybe than your experience in life. And being able to study people like Jung and Freud and their great minds when it came to understanding the human psyche and tying sort of their classifications of people into characters um, was, was um, a huge door opening for myself. Although I'm not much of a writer, um, the process of directing and building characters comes with an immense amount of research and understanding and really life lived. I think that, you know, directors get better as they get older, right? You know, I, I, I think about my, my ability to tap into certain emotions prior to my mother's death versus post or prior to my children's birth versus post my understanding of the human condition having been had my heart broken or having walked down the aisle and married my wife is far superior to that uh, when I hadn't experienced those things and so I think the same is true in Freud and Jung's incredible understanding of the human condition and psyche as you build characters you know Absolutely, Anthony Mendler and in definitive, this teacher called Jim Osney taught you that being a filmmaker is about living life. Yeah, I, I think that what I learned from Jim was that the opportunity of being a director was boundless and the messaging and the, and the opportunity of making a film was endless. I couldn't, I remember being 15 years old in a film class and he was describing the significance of a red bandana and what it meant to the character as it related to a political movement at that time and, and, you know, and how the character's arm being raised with a bandana was a symbol that related to um, a march of workers a hundred years earlier, I couldn't believe all of those details were real and that the director had actually created all of them. And I was fascinated by the fact that there could be so much, so much layering and new nuance in, in, in filmmaking. And so I realized at a very young age that in order to be a great storyteller, you had to have lived a great life. And that I started to seek out journey and seek out danger and seek out experience and seek out things that were beyond what my parents gave me, you know, as a sort of, you know, kid from LA. Um, and I think, it, you know, I will always stand by those decisions because it's made me the storyteller that I am. You will always stand by those decisions, Anthony Mendler and danger and experiences where two concepts you were surrounded by and i would love to discuss about that feature film or that verb in particular can you tell us a little bit more about this piece of art it's interesting that you that you immediately focus in on the title um i've spoken a lot about the 
sort of double or triple entendre of the meaning of the title, right? For a, a black woman hiding as a man in the old West, I think that the, the significance of that title is so overlooked at times, but also poignant, right? You know, where does safety come from? You know, the safety of being surrounded by people you trust or people you distrust. How does that set the tone? Also, the, the, the concept of being surrounded by emptiness and by vastness, does that feel inspiring? Does that feel safe or does that feel dangerous for someone like her? Um, and then the immediacy of who she's surrounded by. So the title really has a lot of layer to it. And I, you know, it was on one hand, it, it felt like a, too simple, but as we dug deeper and as we made the film, we realized the title was perfect. And it really related to the feeling that we wanted people to evoke that even in vastness, even in emptiness, even in the potential for peace is this great realization of trauma and fear and danger. Um, you know, Surrounded is a, is a take on a classical Western, but done through a very unique perspective in POV, and it's that of a, a black woman hiding as a man. Um, it's told in about, about uh, 24 hours of her life during a very traumatic um, stagecoach ride that turns into a very violent robbery and then a stalemate with her and the Old West most notorious outlaw. So it's um, a real tour de force, in my opinion, of for Letitia Wright, um, who's a star. Um, her co-star is Jamie Bell, who's a, you might remember him from Billy Elliot when he was young. He's been in hundreds of films and is a, a remarkable actor. And it was, it is the last performance of my very good friend, Michael K. Williams, who, who left us uh, a couple years ago, tragically. And I'm incredibly, uh, proud to have directed him in this film and, and let it stand as his last performance. This title, Surrounded, as you just mentioned, is a tour de force because it perfectly embodies the story uh, and the storyline of that character called Mo Washington because she is surrounded by that 22 meters tree that we are discovering at the minute 22 of the movie. Yes, <laughs> you appreciate that. You appreciate the nuance of fine details. I would love to know more about this extraordinary piece of decor. Where did this tree came from? Well, um, it was a long process of discovery to find the right style, shape, and size of tree. Um, unfortunately, we found it in a very different location than where it ended up in the movie. So we decided to make our own. Um, and we spent a lot of time measuring and estimating and trying to figure out how we could have this very unusual but poignant place that the movie was going to harness to. Um, this happens to be the exact location that Giorgio O'Keefe painted at every day, the artist. So it's a remarkably um, beloved and preserved site that does not allow filming. We just happened to get very lucky because it was at the end of COVID 
and they allowed us to shoot there um, because there had been so few, so little tourism. Um, but this is the backdrop, the painted valley that you see in so many of her paintings. So we place this beautiful poetic 22 meter tree um, right at the spot where she used to stand and paint. So, yes. Absolutely, Anthony Mendler. And this is very funny to hear your voice using that adjective of 22 meters because I personally don't know exactly <laughs> the height of it, but it served my metaphor. Yes, I'm going with your metaphor. So I'm continuing on with your, <laughs> with your choice of words. Furthermore, Anthony Mendler, this story of uh, the Mo Washington story is taking place in a very special context. At the year 1870, in the location called the Brushwood Gulch in New Mexico. Can you tell us a little bit more about this historical and geopolitical context? Well, it's a made-up city, um, in it, but not in a made-up time, obviously. Um, the significance of being just after the end of the war and the emancipation is that someone like Mo Washington would be considered a, um, a free woman or man. Um, the freedom um, bought you a certain level of comfort, but really not much because there was no way for a free black man or woman to earn real money, except sharecropping, which was essentially like going back into slavery again. Um, our character poses a man in order to fight in the army, which was a way that she could earn better wages, enough to save up to buy what becomes a gold claim. Um, and the movie centers around her taking this stagecoach a couple states over to claim that gold claim. And that gold claim represented the potential of owning something that could support not only her, but her family and friends. So in a way, it's an, it's an, it becomes a reclamation story and an origin story of something that a wrong we're trying to write. The, 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 um, the catch of the film is the destiny of her and what you would think would be her complete opposite, ending up, you know, sort of tied to a tree, guarding one another, and, and how their character interaction evolves when two, of, two people that share almost nothing realize that they share almost everything. Absolutely, Anthony Mendler, this tree is turning, this feature film surrounded as one of the best movies of this year. And there is my favorite quote and sentence of surrounded, which is, we were free, but we had no place to be free. Yeah, it's, a, it's an amazing one. Um, that quote, and I think it really gets to the heart of, of what the post-Civil War emancipation was for black Americans, post-slavery black um, men and women, on, on just this sense of, okay, now what? How do we establish business? How do we establish family? How do we establish land? How do we defend it? Um, when although the laws changed, the cultural sentiment and the personal sentiment of most states in the South had not changed. And therefore, it 
it still was very dangerous to be a black man or a woman, almost impossible to, to survive and to, you know, um, feel safe. Very, very, very significant sort of detail um, in the script. It was very detailed. In the script, as you just mentioned, Anthony Mendler. And there are two people who wrote that uh, script and that story. I am talking about Andrew Pagana and Justin Thomas. Can you tell us a little bit more about this very powerful and special collaboration? Yes. Um, so Justin was not involved in the rewrite of the script. He wrote on the original script. Um, Andy, Andy and I did several drafts together to bring the script to the form that, that the movie was based on. Um, Andy is an incredibly collaborative, creative guy um, who loves the word and loves to listen to people speak. Um, I think my role was to bring a little more action and some more context to it. In fact, uh, the original script um, was not about Mel Washington. It was about a, a young white doctor and an aging outlaw. Um, and I sort of had brought, found the Cathay Williams story and brought that element to it, which was, the, excuse me, the race card and the woman hiding as a man in the old West. And then we lowered the age of our outlaws. So it became really about two people finding the similarities within one another, even if they shared these great you know, distances and differences. In addition to that very special collaboration with those two writers, there is also a very uh, particular aspect of directing that feature film called Surrounded, which is directing some horses, but more importantly, directing some clouds. Directing horses and directing clouds, is that what you said? <laughs> well, they yes. don't call it the Old West for, for no reason. You know, uh, New Mexico <laughs> is uh, really like the home of the Western, uh, where John Ford worked and Clint Eastwood worked. Um, it's a remarkable place, and the, the visual landscape is a feast for the eyes, but not easy to capture. You'd think you could just point a camera anywhere and it looks great. But capturing the perspective and the ratios and the feeling of the environment as it relates to a person or a tree um, is really about spending enough time studying it and looking at it and watching it and then figure out what the right tools are. Um, I was lucky enough to work with a longtime collaborator, uh, Max Goldman, the cinematographer. And Max and I started working together in 2005. We did a video, excuse me, 2006, we did a video for the killers called When You Were Young. That was a very defining sort of chapter in my early career. Um, and we've always had a, a, a great shorthand when it comes to sort of the feeling and the tone and how that relates to the, to the hows and then the whys. Um, and I am very proud of the, of the visual sort of, um, the visual language of the movie. I think it takes people on a classical Western journey, but I think it also unmistakably feels like my work. Um, and there's that sort of quiet tension, but also that sort of, you know, 
massive scale and the, and the weight of that scale that I think lives in the middle of the movie, through the heart of the movie. There is this very intense tension in the heart of this movie, Anthony Mandler and furthermore, this 22 meters tree is giving some fruits and I would love to discuss about the genesis of that tree. Um, and I am making a parallel with your career because you started in a different field, which is photography. Can you tell us a little bit more about those beginnings with the still images? Yeah, of course. You know, I, I went to USC film school. I studied Italian cinema in, in Italy during my junior year, came back thinking that I was going to come out of film school and jump right into making feature films. And the universe had different plans for me. Um, this is the, this is the pre digital era. So being able to go out and practice basically as a director, you know, um, was very complicated. We didn't carry around little, you know, four and AK filmmaking machines like we do now with the iPhone. So, I started taking pictures of my friends, many who were actors and models to, you know, dig deeper into character and, and to sort of create a base of images. And, and at some point I started showing my work around and it became a career. I got an agent very fast. I started, I started working very fast. I, my first real job as a photographer was shooting Vim Vendors, um, who was one of my heroes. Um, for a magazine called Detour. Uh, Detour magazine became Flaunt magazine, and I spent about 10 years working for them under contract, shooting covers and, and fashion and celebrity. And it really became my my home, you know, I had a long sort of partnership with those guys. And they really believed in me as a photographer and, and that, that sort of set my journey off. But it's also where I met people like Snoop and, and then Snoop led to Jay-Z and Jay-Z led to David Beckham and David Beckham, you know, you, you see how your, 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 these, these moments ping pong. And if you're, you work hard at building real relationships, those real relationships turn into long working relationships and that becomes a career. So photography led me to, um, shooting album covers and album covers led me to directing music videos and music videos led me into you know, commercials and commercials sort of, you know, that all sort of brought me back to making films again. So it's all tied in in its own beautiful, chaotic way. It's all tied in in a chaotic ways because you're multiplying multiples layers. And in conclusion, Anthony Mendler, what pieces of advice would you give to filmmakers because, as you just mentioned, you started directing your first feature, and I am talking about the long format, uh, very, as you just said, late in your life. So what is your message? Well, hopefully not too late. I made my first feature at 43. I had my first deal to make a movie at 23, <laughs> so it was only 20, 20 years later. And in those 20 years, you know, I'm, I amassed 15 billion views of my work. I shot hundreds of album covers and hundreds of magazine covers and made unbelievable relationships and worked all over the world and built an incredible career. So although it didn't go the way I thought it was going to go, if I tracked back to being 22, 23 years old, 
it went exactly the way it was supposed to go. And now in my forties into my fifties, my, my storytelling knife is sharper than ever. And who I am, who I am today as a man, as a father, as a husband, as a filmmaker, as an artist, as a successful, you know, communicator of the arts is far exceeds who I was in my twenties, which is natural. So I think oftentimes we have this expectation that things are just going to happen. And truthfully, everybody's got their journey. It, the best thing I can tell you to do is embrace your journey, embrace your mistakes, embrace the process and just follow the water and the mud as it goes, because you never know where it's going to take you. It only stops when you give up. That I can tell you is for sure. It only stops when you give up. And Anthony Mendler, I am uh, looking forward to see your third feature film with that sharper directing eyes than ever before. Yes. Thank you very much. And also, I hope that <laughs> your feature film with, will rhyme with the specific day it will be <laughs> released on. I'm sure you'll be paying attention, Victor, to all the little subjective nuances. Yes. <laughs> Thank you for having me. It was wonderful talking to you. <laughs>